This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Tech Talk this morning here on Enterprise. I'm on the phone with Kelvin Anthony. Um, Kelvin is the founder of a Malaysian NFT project called Protectors of Malacca. Now, um, I received this pitch not too long ago uh, and I'll give a little introduction of the project. The Protectors of Malacca is an NFT collection built on championing diversity and representation in the NFT space, especially for underrepresented majority world people of color, starting with our local Malaysian cultures. Now, I want to get speaking to uh, Kelvin about this on a bunch of different things. Uh, Kelvin, first of all, welcome to the show. Hi, Richard. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm very proud, uh, very honored to be here. It's absolutely my pleasure. Now, we've been kind of ding-donging for the past, I think, about a month before we've managed to sit down and, and get an interview together. Uh, have you been busy during that period? Um, yes, I have. It's uh, when, when you're starting up a project like this, when you're working on it, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um, there, there definitely is a lot of work that needs to be done. So I have mm-hmm. been very busy meeting a lot of people, juggling a lot of things. But it's been a very good experience um, still. Good, good. Now, I have a whole bunch of questions for you, but you know, let, let's kind of rewind first. I mean, people are tuning into this segment really um, to get some kind of tech info before we, we get moving on to the actual project itself. So tell me about your interest in all things, you know, crypto and NFT and blockchain. How did you first get involved with that kind of scene and, and why did you get involved with it? Sure, Richard. Um, so I actually first got involved way back in 2013, 2014. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing my master's in University of Malaya then and I was part of the debate team. So we really had to okay. be researching all sorts of topics which were current issues and whatnot. And back then, Bitcoin was really big. Yeah. Um, so that's when I first started learning about the blockchain, about Bitcoin and trying to understand what was going on. And it was a very interesting project. Mm-hmm. Um, and as time went on, I continued to keep in touch and continued to update myself about what was happening in the world of blockchain DeFi. Mm. Um, but to be very honest, um, blockchain is not an easy concept to understand. There are lots of, of technicalities, um, a lot of, of knowledge that is required. And yeah. it, was, it was really last year when, that, when the NFT craze really took over that um, cemented or really solidified my understanding of how it can work how mm-hmm. it can impact my life and about the potential that it has to, to really revolutionize all the different industries that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that is when I really, really dived in with both feet, if you will, because uh, NFTs made it crystal clear how much of an impact the blockchain will have on what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, uh, and this, despite a lot of people kind of poo-pooing NFTs at the very beginning, you know, that they, they really didn't have much of a use and it, it, it's been proven otherwise and it's constantly been proven otherwise, whether or not it's in the art space or ticketing space or any other space. Now, um, moving on just a little bit, from your perspective, how do you think the NFT space here is in, in general? Um, and, you know, and, and kind of 
How did you manage to get involved with it here? I mean, you say you had an interest in it back in 2013, and then last year you got, you know, you dived in with both feet. But how do you feel the NFT space is here in Malaysia in general? Um, to be very honest, the space in Malaysia is very much polarized. So on the one hand, we have the the mm. NFT diehards. We have the X-Infinity fans, the P2E players who have fully embraced it. Um, yeah. At one point of time, Malaysia had um, one of the highest rates of NFT penetration, if you will. Uh, because of the Axie Infinity craze, we had guilds in Malaysia that were hiring yeah. that, hiring hundreds of people, right? So, so that had um, so that segment exists and it still exists to, till today. But of course, the P two Es have not done so well, so that has died down a bit. But on the other hand, the the yeah. other side of the population, you have the other extreme, which is people who are vehemently anti NFT um, because they don't really have the knowledge about what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I experienced that firsthand. I, I, mm-hmm. In last year, I made the mistake of, of posting on the Malaysian subreddit and talking about, you know, why NFTs are good and the potential that it has. Um, <laughs> I, got, I got flamed um, really badly. The, the comments were just full of negativity. Uh, people right, did not right. want to have an yeah. open discussion at all. Um, so those are mm-hmm. kind of the two two extremes that we have, and of course in the middle you do have the people who are slightly educated on it but still are unsure about it and and not really ready to take the plunge. But by and large, mm. I would say that Malaysia we are still very much in its infancy. I mean, to be fair, the global population is right. We have NFTs only have a penetration of less than zero point zero 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 one percent of the global digital population. Um, so right. that yeah. we are still in the infancy of it, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, okay, interesting. Now, um, tell me about the beginning of this project and this beginning of uh, uh, Protectors of Malacca. Uh, how did the idea start and how long has it been kind of uh, bouncing around in your head? Um, okay, so for Protectors of Malacca, right, it really started uh, last year. Um, mm. I mean, some elements of it started a long time ago, but by and large, as an NFT project, it came about last year. Um, the origins of it is when you look at the NFT craze, you look at the, all the NFT projects that really started coming out last year, right? Yeah. It is very, very Western-centric. Yeah. Um, if you look at the trades, you look at your BAYC, they have nearly all their trades have some form of Western semblance or Western connotation towards it, even the Asian-appearing trades, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at a bunch of other projects, whether it's the animal PFPs or human PFPs, they generally function around the same kind of uh, a same kind of idea. The rare depictions of Asian culture often follow anime and anime depictions. So, so it's been very there's there's a very limited representation in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was looking for a project to invest in, I was looking around like, okay, what kind of project? can I identify with? What mm. kind of project will represent who I am? And the answer was there, was, there was none at that point. There really was nothing that had Asian representation, Southeast Asian. Um, and in fact, right, in some of the discords that I was in, um, mm. people, the, the communities themselves um, disagreed on what Asian actually meant um, because for a lot of them, their, their understanding of Asian is very much a fetishized orientalism. Um, right, yeah. Right? Yep. So when you say you're Indian and you're dark-skinned and then they say you're Asian, they say, no, you're Indian, you're different. 
Um, so, so those are some of the more painful conversations I've had. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I decided, you know what? Why wait for someone else to go out there and create representation? No one is, no one cares about representing me. No one cares about representing where I come from. Mm-hmm. So, if someone is going to do it, then it's. I need to do it, right? I need to, I, I can't you wait for someone up. else to save me. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's when, that's when it started um, and that's when I've been working on it and trying to get it out. Okay. Tell me a, a little bit about the team then that you've assembled behind this. I mean, it, it looks quite interesting. Thank you. Uh, so, so the team, we do have several teammates on board. Uh, mm-hmm. My partner, my partner, Will Riley, is actually from the U.S., um, he's uh, sorry from the UK. He's a community builder and experienced community builder, and he's someone who has worked extensively uh, with NFT artists. Um, not yeah. the big collections, mind you, but the one-on-one artists, the people okay. who are trying to get their their artwork out, trying to to get sales, uh, mm-hmm. make a name for themselves. So very much about helping community. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I and when I first met him, that was essentially what he was doing. He would run Twitter Spaces. He runs a lot of Twitter Spaces. He's a very reputable host, um, and a lot of that is really done towards helping people. And when I told mm-hmm. him about what I was trying to do, which was really about helping um, helping majority world POC, uh, he was very happy to jump in and lend his aid to us so that we can we can get that and we can help as many people as possible. Um, our developers, our developers are Nifty Labs. Um, they are a uh, smart contract agency um, that have been in the NFT space for quite a while. They have mm-hmm. over, t- I think if I remember correctly, over 12 plus successfully launched projects. Oh, um, wow. So yeah, so they are really good. They have, they know their code at their fingertips um, and they've done a great job in coming up with the smart contract and in terms of the innovations that we are putting in um, mm-hmm. because a lot of the work that my project is doing, we are not we are not going the standard route. There's a lot of customizability, so we mm-hmm. went with people who really really knew the, their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, our artist Ieda is a young is a young digital artist. Uh, we actually engaged with her when she was still in her final year of university, mm-hmm. um, and, but her work was amazing. Her art was just fantastic. So we like you know what we will we want to work with you. And we will work with you and and hopefully continue this partnership for a long mm. time to come. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have two writers on board, Marcus and Jasmine. Uh, Marcus and Jasmine are both um, they are quite skilled writers. Marcus comes from a more finance background um, and he is working with us on our technical aspects such as our white paper because those have to have a, a lot more solidity behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas Jasmine is more of a content writer and copywriter, so she's helping us with our law, she's working on our our tweets, our social media, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have Aini, who's our Discord guru, and she works with us um, in terms of setting up the entire Discord um, because um, Discord is one of the primary tools of communication for an NFT project. That's right, um, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's really not that easy to handle. Um, when you're yeah. in a Discord, it might seem fun and it might seem like, hey, yeah, it's so easy to use. But mm-hmm. setting it up is a completely different ballgame. So it's That's a, right. <laughs> yeah, it's a skill set. It um, is, it is. Yeah, so that's by and large the main team. We do have a couple more people coming in. Uh, mm. We are trying, we are roping in, we are also looking at roping in a lot more of, um, what's the word for it, interns as well. Um, okay. we, really, we really do feel that education is a very important aspect to it. And mm. as much as possible, we want to give people um, the opportunity to get hands-on because 
this is this is a industry that is going to to break things going forward. It is going to completely revolutionize things. So I agree. As, yeah. So as much as we can help others learn about it, then then it's a win-win scenario for everyone involved. Absolutely disruptive technology. Okay, um, let's take a short break here. Uh, and when we come back, I think what we need to do is, is dive a little deeper into actually what the project is uh, so that people who are tuning in at home have a better understanding of it. Does that make sense to you, Kelvin? Yes, sure. Looking forward to it. All right. Let's take a short break here. You're tuned in to Tech Talk here on Enterprise on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Bias Free Media, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Welcome back to Tech Talk. I'm on the phone with Kelvin Anthony. He is the guy behind a, uh, an NFT project that's currently um, happening. It is called the Protectors of Malacca. If you're only just tuning in, we've had a, a brief chat about um, Kelvin's interest in all things uh, crypto and NFT and how that started. Um, his thoughts on the NFT space here in Malaysia. Uh, but now, you know, we, we need to kind of explain uh, this project that you're running, Kelvin. Uh, you know, the folks that are listening at home, tell them exactly what the project is and what it focuses on and why you think it's different. Okay, great. Um, so our project, the Protectors of Malacca, is essentially a project that is founded on the principles of diversity, representation and empowerment um, that we are taking forward through our unique utility, which is uh, DND as Living Universe. Mm -hmm. so, let me break that down for you so that it's a bit clearer because I know um, in a lot of instances, people don't understand how exactly the two elements come together. Right. So when it comes to, to diversity and representation and empowerment, right, in the NFT space right now, there is still a, a, a lack of diversity. There is a lack of representation. Um, we, uh, whether it comes to gender, whether it comes to majority world POC, whether it comes to, to many other different demographic elements, so that's mm -hmm. something that we want to be able to change because we truly believe that not just for the NFT space, um, but for the blockchain and the Web3 space as a whole, there needs to be inclusivity. There needs to be a difference of opinion, different perspectives, mm. neurodiversity mm -hmm. even. All these different elements need to come together to really create a space that can be a bright, better future for everyone. Um, and we want to do our part, our part to, to making that dream come true. So in our project, what we are really focusing on is about allowing underrepresented cultures to get their culture, to get their, um, to get their representation on the blockchain through the, through the narrative framework that our living universe creates. Now, what we do through having this representation, right, is that we allow for, we allow for a greater awareness and we also allow for greater inclusivity among, among all those involved. We give these cultures a place to belong. But more mm -hmm. importantly, it's also about empowering the native culture. Because in a lot of spaces, right, when we talk about, when we talk about culture, we see cultural appro appropriation being a thing. We see 
um, even within NFT projects. Yeah, NFT projects which will represent cultures from, say, for example, Thailand. But when you look at the team, the team has no one from Thailand. It's all very Western, which is not exactly fair. Um, Mm -hmm. So what we are trying to do is create a framework where we can go to people in Thailand, for example, and say, hey, we want you to be, we want you, we want your culture to be part of our universe. We are going to work with you. We will empower you. We will give you the education. We will, we will give you the funds, all of this, so that you can be part of this and you can bring your people onto the blockchain as well. Mm-hmm. And we are starting that with Malaysia because the team by and large is Malaysian. Plus, I am very, very proud of my Malaysian heritage. I think we huh. have among the most amazing culture in the world. And we definitely need the world to be able to see that. So I really do want to share that. Agreed. Um, yeah. So that's the first part of it. The second part of it is our D&D living, living universe. Um, what we have basically done, right, is we have created um, a kind of a game world where the different cultures can exist and where the holders of the NFTs will then be able to experience, be able to role play and to live out their, to live out their characters however they want. So each NFT that each NFT that you buy is a character in in the in the universe that exists, and you can basically do whatever you want. So mm-hmm. think about it as um, World of Warcraft or other MMORPGs, but now with a bit more of a blockchain spin to it. Right. Um, that's the primary utility that comes with it. But we, of course, uh, in my experience. When, when you have so many people, when you have such a vibrant community, like the community we intend to build, you tend to end up with very, very rich material mm-hmm. in terms of the stories. Mm-hmm. If you have um, 10,000 holders of your NFT, the things that they are going to do and, and the stories that can, the narrative that can come up from that is going to be completely unpredictable. It'll be utter chaos. But yeah. chaos makes for a good story. And those, <laughs> yeah. So, so those are elements that we think we can we can then look at a transmedia, uh, being a transmedia kind of an IP, intellectual property, where yeah. we can look at creating comics, we can look at books, we can look at animated series. And these are the sort of things that can then be funneled back towards the holders of our NFTs to give them even more utility um, uh, in, in our universe, if you will. Brilliant. Okay, so I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, first of all, how far through this project are you? So um, we are actually right now still at the very early stages. If I were to make a comparison to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I would say we are right now at Iron Man 1, way back in <laughs> 2008. Um, okay, okay. Um, so progress is, is definitely happening, though. It's something that's, that's going ahead, clearly. Now, definitely. Um, the the fi- I suppose the kind of final final question because you've answered some of the questions that I already had uh, lined up for you about you know representation and diversity but my final question I guess is uh, and this is something that you mentioned to me in your email originally is about um, the barrier to access for NFTs um, what what do you think that barrier is and why do you think it's there uh, particularly for people from um, you know poorer communities and how do we as you say, empower creators? Yeah, uh, great question. That's actually very, very important, right? Um, there are a number of barriers of entry. First and foremost, and the one that I am most annoyed with is actually education. Yeah. Um, education should never be a barrier of entry. Education should, should always be there for everyone to access. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it remains a very big barrier. 
If mm. you look at even, for example, Pentas.io, Pentas was, it's a Malaysian-made product targeted at Malaysians, right? Yeah. But yeah. even then, to be able to access into Pentas, to be able to buy NFTs, it's not a simple process. There are a lot mm-hmm. of steps that you need to jump through. Mm-hmm. But when you look at nearly all the education material, nearly everything is in English. All the experts are coming from Western nations and they all write in English. Yeah. So from a language perspective, even there is a huge barrier of entry there. Um, that's one of the things that we are working on where we do want to create and we do want to work with education arms to create um, more localized content um, to kind of uh, address that barrier because at, I honestly, education cannot be a barrier. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, it is. That's one. The other um, major barrier of entry, of course, is the cost involved. NFTs are not cheap by and large. Um, but more importantly, um, getting into the space is also not cheap. So you need to know, you need to be able to, to, to access your MetaMask. You need to be able to transfer funds. You need to buy on Luno, buy in this. And there are a lot mm. of fees here, there, everywhere, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so unfortunately, the cost involved is not is not very palatable either, um, and and that can make things very very difficult for people. It doesn't help that that especially if you are say an artist, if you are a local artist that wants to create your own NFTs and you want to sell it to the world, it's not cheap. Getting a smart contract developer can cost you as as much. I wouldn't say as much. Can start off as something close to fifteen thousand USD. Right. Yeah. It's. It's a huge amount. And mm-hmm. if you want to then market your project, if you want to market your project, get your project to be successful, um, be able to reach out to the right target audience, that can range from anywhere from 30K USD to 45K USD. It's so a lot of money. It's a lot. And it's not feasible at all for, for people from majority world countries. As it is, we have weaker currencies, higher inflation. Um, mm. the, the, the barriers are just stacking against us. Mm. Um, and that's where I think the empowerment bit really comes in, which is why we want to, rather than having, rather than telling people in, in majority world countries to, you know what, go it alone. I think we need to work together. Um, so that's why I want to work with these countries, work with people, not just from Malaysia, but other parts of the world as well. Go to them and say, we ha- we have, we've done it. We've been successful. We have the funds. Let's share it with you. Let you bring your project here. We empower you in that way. Um, we need to have a lot more of a collaborative attitude towards it so that mm-hmm. we can all succeed together. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the third barrier, unfortunately, right now, um, happens to be the insider trading. The mm-hmm. NFT space is rife with insider trading, especially when it comes to, to a lot of the bigger bigger projects. That's right. Um, if you look at projects like the Mechaverse, if you look at mm-hmm. even like Azuki, for example, Azuki Beans, these are projects which have had huge amounts of, of um, traction. Um, they sell for one one NFT. I remember for Mechaverse was selling for like five to six thousand USD each. Yeah. But all the the metadata was leaked. Um, insiders went ahead and bought all the rare the rare NFTs beforehand and whatnot. Mm. And then you have a whole bunch of all these um, what we call as alpha groups, if you will. Mm-hmm. which go and pump certain projects. They'll pump the project and they'll tell everyone like, hey, this project is doing really well, go and buy. And But they will neglect to tell you that they've actually bought everything. They've, they've bought the supply yeah. beforehand at a much cheaper price. By the time they tell you to go and buy, you are buying from them and you're buying That's from right. them at a highly inflated price. Yeah. So all this insider trading, these alpha groups, 
they make it a very costly experience for, for new joiners into the space because more often than not, you don't have the same kind of, you don't have the information to be able to make educated decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and that I feel is a huge barrier of entry because especially for, and I will admit, um, when I first started out, I got caught in some of these traps myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent, I spent um, what, whatever I had on my salary back then. And end of the day, the money was all burnt. Um, yeah, simply because yeah. because I I could not make and I could not make an educated decision because I did mm. not know the full story. So I, I I also have fallen you know victim to these traps as well when I first started out a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not. I personally feel it's not right. I personally feel it's a lot more harmful towards people from our countries, mm. majority world POC. We do not have. We we do simply do not have the funds to be able to make a mistake a second time or a third mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, can, and I know of people who have actually taken out loans even in order to go and buy an NFT and then everything crashed on them. So yeah, um, these are the kind of barriers we need to educate people on. We need to kind of break past um, and put in place the right kind of ethics as well within the space so that we, we make sure that we are protecting the individuals. We are protecting people and we are not just, the space doesn't just become another vehicle for the elite to continue to get wealthy. It should be, I mean, the blockchain was built on decentralization. It was built on inclusivity. We yeah. need to make sure that we take that to heart and we put in place the systems that allow us to, to break the barriers that prevent that. Folks, I've been on the phone with uh, Kelvin Anthony. He is the founder of a Malaysian NFT project called Protectors of Malacca. Um, if you want to find out more about this project, head over to their website. It is Protectors of Malacca.com. Find out more from there. You can also, I believe, follow uh, Kelvin. You're on Twitter, right? You're quite active on Twitter, I believe. Yes, correct. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? You can just um, you can search for Protectors of Malacca on Twitter. You'll find us instantly. There you go. If you missed any part of this podcast, head over to the BFM website or you can download the BFM app. That's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. For Tech Talk, my name is Rich Bradbury on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.